Hello, I'm Suzanne Shaw. I'm a mum, a singer, actress and wellness advocate. In 2020, I changed my life for the better. I made myself a priority. I quit alcohol, adopted a plant-based lifestyle and found a love for running. Fast forward to a few years later and I can honestly say my life has changed beyond recognition. In this podcast, I'll be speaking to wellness experts and well-known self-improvement advocates and celebrities about all things well-being, along with finding out about their tips, tricks and secrets to living a happier, healthier life. So, on with the show. Welcome to Dare to be Happy. My guest for this episode is an old showbiz pal and fellow wellness advocate. She's a TV and radio presenter, an entrepreneur, a runner, a golfer. Well, she's an all-round activity queen. But one thing I never knew and I learned whilst recording this episode is that my guest speaks not one, but two different languages. You are going to love this chat as we discover how my guest keeps fit around her busy schedule. It's the gorgeous Jenny Faulkner. So here we go. It's Dare to be Happy Again. And um, we have a fantastic guest this week. I am thrilled. I've known Jenny Faulkner for 22 years, if not a little bit longer. And it's fantastic to have you on the show. And I can't wait to have a brilliant conversation with you about wellness, about running, about family, about showbiz. It's going to be a good one. I know. Thank you for joining me on Dare to be Happy, Jenny. Oh, thank you so much for having me. I feel like it's it's so strange because usually I'm the one doing the interviews with you. And yep. uh, whether that's been through the years on telly or whatever you've been doing, and I've been like the presenter asking you about whatever it is you're up to, or I made you come on Rumpod many times yeah. and talk about all your running exploits so yeah so um what are you gonna ask me Susie well it's really strange to be in this seat because I I've got to say I'm a little bit nervous interviewing you because you're such a good interviewer and you're right this is like the first time it's this the, the roles have been reversed because I remember and this is going back 22 years ago when we the hearsay was at London Zoo we had to go to adopt an animal and I don't know whether it was you and Michael Underwood interviewing us and doing a link for Good Morning, well, it was GMTV back then, which is now Good Morning Britain. And that was, I think it was one of the very first time I met you. And then it's been, it has been years of you interviewing me. So this, I am actually feeling quite nervous now, now actually thinking about it. I've got to interview you. When we first met, weren't you doing like the low slung, really low slung trousers? Uh, yes. Yeah. It was all that, it was that kind of look, wasn't it? We all exposed, we didn't even think twice about having a bit of belly on show. Oh, I know, I know. I remember we had the belly on show. God, I'd never do that now. <laughs> Not in a million years would I have never. my midriff out. <laughs> um, yeah, we had the, the low UFOs, the big baggy trousers. And then we went through a phase, certainly Mylene and I, would cut our tights, our fishnet tights, and make them into tops. What? I mean... <laughs> I mean, that was when uh, Hearsay didn't have as much budget as they used to in the early days. But yeah, it was a thing. Cut your tights and make it into a top. I never knew that's how you did it. God, I'm so behind. Yeah, absolute trendsetters. Yeah, we were trendsetters. In fact, actually, we were, I think, called the worst dressed pop band of like the noughties, I think. That's not fair. I think that's unfair. 
There well, will, I mean, I absolutely think there must be worse. I'm thinking of all the people I interviewed. I'm just thinking there were, I mean, there were some tragic hairstyles from different bands and there were some really bad outfits. Maybe, maybe it's just because you were on such a high profile show that you got yeah, that. We were targets. Yeah, we were. Yeah, that's it. <laughs> anyway, going back to you and your amazing career, you know, it's been incredible to watch you. You are possibly one of the most hardworking presenters out there. You're up early in the morning doing smooth radio. You have presented on pretty much all of the the morning TV shows that we know of, the National Lottery as well. But I want to know who Jenny was back in the day growing up in Glasgow, what your ambitions were. Did you always want to be a presenter? Who were you? Well, it's strange because my... No, I used to always think I was going to be an architect. That's actually the truth of the matter. And so I... Really? Yeah, so I, I lived in Glasgow and then my, my dad kept getting jobs, so we kept relocating. So I lived in Glasgow till I was about six. Then I moved down to Hampshire till I was seven. Then I moved back to Glasgow till I was nine. Then I moved back to Berkshire. And then I had my secondary schooling in Berkshire um, in a school in Reading. And then when I was 18 and got a break in telly, I moved back to Glasgow. And that was through Blind Date? I'd been on Blind Date and then off the back of Blind Date, I was at uni in Leeds as well. My mum and dad live still in the south. And um, I got a job offer to go. I got an opportunity to go and audition for a TV show. And it ended up getting the job somehow. And that required me to move to Glasgow. So then I went back again and I had actually got, when I was on Blind Date, I had a bit of a transatlantic twang. I mean... If you think how John, John Barrowman is like from Glasgow, right? And every yeah. now and again, he speaks with kind of a very confused voice. I think I was a bit like that, actually, when I was about 18 <laughs> years old. And so I went back to Glasgow and lots of my friends were going, you need to sort this voice out. This is not, this isn't even Glasgow. This isn't even the south of England. It's just strange. So I quite quickly got my Glaswegian accent back on track. And then it stuck because how long have you lived in London now? Oh my goodness, I just, I kind of keep moving around. I lived in Glasgow mainly for a few years, but I moved back down to London and I moved to Leeds where I was working on ITV shows. I mean, you didn't want as much detail as this. I know you didn't. However, I've been living down in the South since the year 2000. But you know, can I just say that my brother, who is four years younger than me and has lived out of Glasgow most of his life and has now lived in South Africa in Cape Town for the last, what, 16 years. He has a broader Scottish accent than I do. Because I was going to say, you've got a pretty good, strong Scottish accent for somebody who hasn't really grown up in Scotland all that much. I know. When I go home to Glasgow as well, I speak quicker and with much more of a strong accent, actually. And so to the point that my husband sometimes asks me to slow down because he's not entirely sure what I'm saying. So you return home now. Do your parents live there? Parents have now moved back. They moved back up about 15, 20 years ago. So they live up there. And so now when I go home, I do go home to Glasgow. And right. um, I maybe go home about three times a year. I just can't get to go more because I work six days a week in London. Yeah, I mean, you're definitely one of the most hardworking people I know in show business. I mean, you, you, I mean, we'll we'll go into that in a little bit. That balance, that work life balance. But yeah, so you wanted to be an architect. I was always really sporty, liked doing everything. wasn't like jack of all trades, master of nothing whatsoever. But I did everything: gymnastics, trampolining, badminton, tennis, netball, hockey. I mean, I did every sport going, and absolutely loved them all. And yeah. I, 
love sport. I'm trying to think about loved languages, always love languages. So I always really, really wanted to just live in Spain and work in Spain and fascinated. I lived in Glasgow for so long and Rennie McIntosh is like this amazing architect that, you know, a lot of the buildings are his influence in Glasgow mm. and just really inspired me to be an, an architect. So I, growing up, I fully believed I was going to design like skyscrapers or huge big buildings, but in Madrid, because then I could go and speak Spanish. That was my plan. <laughs> Didn't quite work out like that. <laughs> I was going to say, didn't happen, did it, that plan? <laughs> didn't happen, didn't happen. But I did study, so I went to uni at Leeds and I studied Spanish, Italian and Latin um, because I still in my head was going to go and live in Spain or maybe now Italy. I wasn't sure, but I, I fully expected whatever career I had would mm. involve speaking a romantic language of some sort. And so are you bilingual? No, no, no. I mean, can I just say that I went to uni when I was 18 and I'm now 46. So that's quite a long time ago. So I was actually really good at Spanish. I mean, I think I went and lived in Spain for a month, not not long, a month. I went yeah. and stayed with a Spanish family. Have you ever, did you ever do a, like a, an exchange? No, I, I nearly did, but I was too frightened. I was so timid as a kid. I didn't like leaving home. So no, I never tried that. Well, it threw you right in the deep end. So I went to Spain when I was 17 for a month. And I kid you not, I was dreaming in Spanish by the end. And when really? I came home for weeks on end, if my brother called me, Jenny, I'd go, okay. <laughs> and he'd just kill himself <laughs> laughing. So actually spending time in a country and completely immersed with, um, you know, people that speak the language, you do pick it up really well. And so I then continued to study at uni and they took up Italian and Italian I just adored as well. So I just always thought I was going to live abroad and do something with languages. And I was brilliant at Spanish and Italian and probably until my early 20s. And in fact, in early in my career, I did a lot of traveling. I did a lot of travel shows throughout my 20s and into my 30s, actually, a lot of travel shows. And we went to Spain mm. and we went to Italy. And that's how I maintained it for a bit longer. Like going to the Venice Film Festival, I just loved because I would be able to speak to everyone and practice my Italian. But unfortunately, it's such a long time ago now. I, I'm rubbish. I can do the basics. <laughs> but that's... That's so cool. I never knew that about you. I mean, surely you can still hold conversations when you're out there. and I can. Yeah. And there's quite a lot. There's quite a few people that work where we have the radio station. There's this lovely lady called Paula who comes in and cleans the studio. She literally doesn't speak much English at all. So it's good because it forces me to speak Spanish to her every single day. Yeah. So I'm slowly trying to remember basics and words, but it's, it doesn't come naturally like it used to do. That's fascinating. I love that Corey, my eldest son, is taking Spanish A-level um, and we're encouraging him to go and for, you know, a few months over to Spain next summer to keep it up because we're saying if you have, if you're bilingual, you've got so many more options in life. I know all those children who have got parents that, you know, speak both. So they might have a French yeah. parent and an English parent or Spanish and then they grow up and from birth they've just spoken both. How lucky are they? They don't even realise it. I know, I love that. Well, my grandmother was German and she never spoke a word of German again in her life when she moved over when she was 16 because she came from the time of the Second World War. And she, one, was too frightened to speak German in uh, moving over to England because obviously they weren't very welcome. And she hated the country for what it did and would never speak a word of it again. And so from being 16 to the day she died, she never spoke German. Never and spoke at all? No. Wow. No, 
she'd tell us, you know, she'd say Dankeschön and Bitteschön and occasionally, but she she had the strangest accent. She, like, because she was like, from 16, lived in Berry. Um, she'd be like, Susan, it's Nam. And he'd be so <laughs> peculiar. Um, but yeah, yeah, so I'm, I'm gutted she never taught us German. And we yeah. had that opportunity, but yeah, it didn't happen. If you're looking to improve your lifestyle and learn more about health, fitness and well-being, then check out my online wellness community, the Happy Health Club. You can subscribe to our newsletter for free, you can join our monthly membership, or you can take part in our courses and challenges. It's a community built on real-life experiences, holding a safe space for you to nurture your inner wellness. At the Happy Health Club, we focus on plant-based nutrition, sober living, which means taking breaks from alcohol, mindful drinking, or living an alcohol-free life, and finding ways to enjoy movement daily. We also cover a wide range of wellness subjects as we are joined by different experts sharing their knowledge and expertise for you to learn, discover, and grow. Visit thehappyhealthclub.com today and give yourself the gift of well-being. You talked about playing sport a lot as a kid, so it's been part of your life then from forever, really. I honestly cannot remember a time in my life when I haven't been active. It doesn't mean I'm good at anything, okay? I just like to hold my hands up there. I just, I just, I don't even, I don't even think I've ever entertained not doing exercise in some capacity. And it's Mm. not because not because I felt forced into it at all because my parents my parents are into sport they're not particularly active they they like golf and yeah. they they don't go running they don't they don't really do team sports or anything my dad when he was younger did football but for some reason I just wanted to do everything and they were brilliant actually because they they kind of humored me and let me go to classes and they signed me up and they'd say let's try this so one thing that was brilliant about my parents and it's something which I now do with my little girl I make her try everything so I said look yeah. if you don't enjoy it after trying it for a term you don't have to go back but let's give it a shot because also it's another string to your bow and it's always good to have some experience in trampolining or badminton or tennis or just just so you can have a go at it or archery or I mean it's quite interesting when I look back at all the different sports I've done I have ticked off quite a lot and I just love it I can't imagine being a sedentary person and not wanting Mm. to go out and be active. And so through my career, I've been really lucky in that I've been able to do sports and do activities, which obviously I have been delighted about doing, but there's been a lot of opportunities I've got, which I'd never had got had I not been, you know, lucky to be doing the job I'm doing. But there's also been a lot of things I probably wouldn't have done, like parachuting and skydiving. Probably (laughs) would never have done that. However, I've had to for a job. But in terms of being active, it's just something something that I've always wanted to do. I just, I think without realising it when you're younger, I've always really enjoyed that feeling afterwards. Mm. And I've probably not looked into it that much until as, until I've got older. Yeah. And I've realised that maybe one of the things I really enjoy about doing exercise and staying healthy and keeping fit and being active is the fact that afterwards you just, you know, that warm, glowy kind of feeling yeah. that you get and it's just a total satisfaction that you've done something, you've got your heart rate up, you might have, you know, sweated 
something out the system, whatever it is, you just you just feel good and relaxed. And I've just always craved that feeling. Which is so important. And I think it's fantastic that, you know, you've transferred what you were taught as a kid to try everything and be active to your daughter now. And I think that's so important. I think it's such a shame to see so many people out there who who miss that, who don't get taught that and don't understand how important it is to be outdoors and active and, and to be trying some sport and keeping fit. Because ultimately, I think we all learned from COVID, we, we are nothing without our health. And it's such, and it should be right on top of that priority list is that that's what you're looking after all the time. And I'm so guilty of not doing that over the years. And so I think it's a really wonderful thing to have that as a child as being learnt behaviour. Now you've transferred it into your family and the routines and the things that you do. I think that's fantastic. Now, you say that, the only downside for me is, I will hold my hands up here and admit it, and you're really good at this. The nutrition side, I have never been good. I can't cook. I'm rubbish at kind of rustling something up in the kitchen. And so that is a big letdown. So health and wellness in terms of being active, burning calories, staying fit, tick. In terms of making sure, and it's probably the most important part, that how, you know, how I nourish myself and make sure that I get everything and all the right nutrients, rubbish. Well, let's talk about this then, Jenny. But what is it then? So why would you say you're rubbish at doing that? Well, I just absolutely hate cooking and being in the kitchen. So unless it's something that is really quick fix and doesn't require skill and patience and like a really good culinary ability, I'm not going to make it. I mean, I can put something in the oven, but quite often those bung in the oven dishes that are ready made they're not necessarily always healthy although I have found some places that create healthy dishes so I'm yeah. like yes thank goodness but yeah that's the only downside I'm I'm really dreadful and I can do a stir fry but I mean you don't want to eat a stir fry every night and I can do a salad and no one wants a salad you know in the winter months you know and I can make soup but only I will eat it because it's that disgusting and no one else wants <laughs> it so you know <laughs> I just I think in our house we eat very basic bland food and so um the or it's just totally wrong and bunged in the oven because I've got it from like M&S or Cook or something like that so it's I'm just not very good at the diet side of things. So what is a typical kind of like meal for you then what what is it you you, you know you like eating? I love food. I love eating loads of stuff. I I love spicy food. I love curries. I love Thai food or Indian food. I mean, sushi, pizza, pasta, any of it. I just don't want to make it. And so, for instance, right now we're recording this at six o'clock. I know that once we finish, I have to go and cook a meal for me and Ella. And I'm kind of like going, oh, I can't wait for her to be able to cook for me. (laughs) (laughs) I should really be training her to do that. <laughs> One of my neighbors has a son. He's now 18, but since he's been 12, he's been obsessed with MasterChef. And so he's just every week wanted to do a MasterChef meal. And so now he does all the cooking in their house. How good oh, is that? Oh, send him my way. That'd be lovely because I, I do all the cooking in my house. It's now, an, um, I, I suppose, a, a kind of an understanding that even Sam and I haven't even talked about that he does the dishes and I do the cooking. In fact, really, he does the the recycling and puts the bins out, and I do the cooking. It's it's just the way it is. He very rarely cooks, and not because he doesn't want to, just because I feel like I'm always I know better. Which is a shame, really. I should really give him the opportunity. Yeah, well, I mean, if you give them the opportunity, you get out of doing it for a start. So I'm the way I do it in my house is that 
James loves doing a barbecue. So I'll just be like every night, shall we have a barbecue tonight? And he'll be like, yeah, that's a good idea. <laughs> I mean, I don't think you can have a barbecue 365 days of the year. <laughs> He's like, it's December, Jenny. <laughs> oh, no, we've done it. We've had one in December. Yeah, it's fine. <laughs> Fantastic. <laughs> that's brilliant. So that's that's interesting because I would have thought you would have been, um, yeah, as part of like being fit, like nutrition might have been something that you're really on point with. So do you know what I've done? I actually, because it's, I feel like it's so bad and it's something I should rectify. Now I can cook and I can do a meal and if friends come over, I could make something, but I find it, I, I hate doing it. But I also worry that I'm not getting the right nutrition for me and I'm like training for a marathon. And also I do worry that I'm not giving Ella the right food as well. Uh, so I've actually, I went to see a nutritionist last week. Oh, wow. so I've signed up with a nutritionist and he is going to give me a plan for a month because uh, he's like it right we're going to sort you out so he'll give me he'll give me like a list of things I have to eat every day yeah and then he'll give me a few suggestions for recipes so he'll tell me kind of breakfast what I should be doing breakfast I'm okay with I've got that sorted because that's brought to me in studio <laughs> at work so I kind of I that's love okay. that love that and then lunch I just have to kind of know I mean I'm, this if if you're listening and you're thinking gosh you must be really stupid not to know it's not that I don't know and I can make myself a pasta for dinner and I can make myself a poached salmon and rice I can do these things but mm. it's basically the same every single night and so I have to get some variety so he's he's devising a plan as we speak so basically the whole month that's coming up the entire month I'm going to be on this this plan and hopefully it will work out in which case I'll be able to set myself some kind of program so while I'm marathon training I am getting the right yeah. fuel because there's nothing worse than not not eating properly so that you can't run or you can't do the activity that you want to because you're just tired because you haven't got any energy yeah because you're, you're basically dipping in and out all day you're kind of on that roller coaster yeah it is actually one of the biggest things that it does take time to work out. And I find it really difficult. I think it's a minefield, you know, trying to eat right and make sure that, you know, your insulin isn't dropping at certain times. Like you say, particularly when, you know, if you're training for a marathon. Um, but I don't think, I, th- I think it can be quite overwhelming, particularly when you're seeing so many people out there making it look so easy, putting tiny little things to- together and making it look all colourful. And like you say, you're, you're looking at MasterChef and you're thinking, how are they putting all of that together? But what I will say is it is easier than you think when you get like a good 10 recipes under your belt and you're like, oh, I could just do that tonight. And then you start experimenting a little bit more. You can never really go all that wrong with food. I know you say you, your soups aren't so great, but I, I reckon they're not as bad as you think. <laughs> well, it's like, you know, in, in lockdown, everyone turned to kind of everything was ordered in wasn't it we had to order yeah, yeah everyone had to get a shopping ordered in if they could if they weren't in a position to go to the supermarket and we tried things like you know all those companies like HelloFresh and all that yeah. so every time we ordered one of those we got a menu card and we'd keep it and we'd go we had a little stash by the end from all these different companies and so we did kind of use that as our recipe card and it was good we did feel really healthy for quite a while it's just so much effort isn't it yeah but if you're working your schedule that you're working, you know, that, that must be, it's hard to juggle because, you know, you're, you're up very early in the morning doing smooth radio. Um, and then you've got lots of other jobs, plus, you know, your your, your pod, your run pod, um, your podcast, um, Kello, your brand, which I, I can't wait to talk about. And then you've got your run app as well. You've got your, your, your brands that you're working on. That must be really difficult to kind of 
juggle all of that as as being a parent as well? Well, I think that we all just get used to it. Look, I am, I, I love working. I love, I love being a mum. I love working and I appreciate the fact that, you know, I have, a, I have work and I have a good amount of work. I'm really, really pleased because we all work hard mm. or we all strive to work hard and we all strive to continue working hard. And especially as you get older and more and more people come along and you don't know if you're going to, you're, you're going to have a job next year. So, you know, we all kind of take it while it comes along as well. And, We've just got to, and we've got to adapt as we move along as well, and make sure that we're we're doing something that keeps us relevant, I suppose. Yeah. yeah. And so, so working to me is a joy, and I, I I will never complain about it. And if that means getting up at two, three, four in the morning, so be it. That's part of part of it. For years, yeah. you know, I've I've done travel shows, I've interviewed film stars, I've interviewed you, you know, met you, yeah. met my husband through inter- I've had some really great gigs, I'm not going to lie, but the downside is, yeah, it might be an early start, but that's an absolute that payoff is absolutely not a problem for me or, you know, when Ella was born, my hours, the job that I did allowed me to be at home quite a lot, but also it did mean that, you know, where lots of mums take a year off maybe is have maternity pay. I don't get maternity pay if I don't work. And so I had to go yep. back to work, but it also mm-hmm. meant that I was away from her. She's only like four months old and I had to go away for quite a few days every other week. But that's part and parcel of the job. When I was at home, fully there with her, or I could take her to work. I'd yeah. go on this morning and she'd just sit in the green room and yeah. I'd be back in, you know, half an hour and then I'd be back with her. So there are pros and cons to every job. So I will never complain about working hard and I'll never complain about the hours. However, um, sometimes you do struggle with the sleep. And for years, I used to get up at half two for work, eight years of getting up at half two. And it was really hard to stay awake. And I did feel like I was being, I was struggling to juggle being a mum because I'd fall asleep on her all the time. And I just, yeah. it was really, really difficult. So sometimes you do have to think, you know, is this good for me or am I be, am I doing a job that's healthy even though you know it's helping me pay the bills and it's helping me be there and be uh you know be there for my daughter but I wasn't present because I was always falling asleep so when I got a later job um smooth I don't have to get up till 4 30 which is a complete lion <laughs> it just was a life life-changing moment but you know everyone you're, you're the same I know you are you we're all just really appreciative of working hard and getting the opportunities Do you love doing the marathon and do you love joining all the races? And, you know, we will have a lot of listeners who are very much into running, wanting to know a little bit more about your running and and what you do, because you obviously interview so many people about running so much. Um, I'd just love to hear, you know, all about your life as a runner. Well, do you know, I just I do just love running and I, I started it. Because I was living in Glasgow and I was a student in Leeds and I was working in Glasgow and I was a student in Leeds. And because of the work and the full time studying and trying to combine them both, I never I was only just turned 19. I didn't I didn't I couldn't do any sports. I couldn't and I used to do team sports or go to the gym of sorts and I couldn't do any of that. And so the only thing I could do to keep fit or get healthy was go for a run. So I really did start running then and I used to just want to run 5k. That was my aim. To, in fact, I didn't even call it 5K. I think I wanted to run for 30 minutes. I didn't know how far it was. I used to do the run around Glasgow's Botanic Gardens. And then I'd go and get the car and I'd drive the route to see how far it was. 
because I didn't, you know, you wouldn't have a watch that would track your distance. Hmm. And so I did that and quickly I realized that running was amazing and I absolutely loved it and it was challenging and I struggled and it was out of breath and it took me ages to do half an hour without stopping and I wasn't fast and I was wearing all the wrong stuff, wearing the wrong trainers, (laughs) dodgy clothes, but I didn't care. I loved how it made me feel. And then before long, I would go a little bit further and then running just became the thing I did and I'd go away filming on location and I'd always have my trainers and always go for a run or I'd go back to Leeds to uni and I'd always go out for a run and it just became that thing that I did all the time. And then I got, my runs got longer. And then I would just, some days just go out, not know how far I've run, just, but then I'd get in the car and I'd realise I'd done like 10 miles. And I just thought, wow, that's amazing. And it just happened and it kept going. And then I did my first marathon years later, not till, not till I was about 34 I think it was or 33 or 34 my first marathon it was much later but I'd always just kind of plodded along I never raced anyone I was terrified about racing someone because I'm quite competitive and I didn't want it to become something competitive I just wanted it to be something I did for me and I was terrified that by doing something competitive I might realize I wasn't very good at it or I might realize that it's, it's actually more serious and you have to pick up the pace. But actually, I found the opposite. I found that when you do a race, it spurs you on. You get you get really, I, I get really nervous before any race. Before yeah. park run, I get nervous. I'm like, I'm yeah. proper butterflies, which is good because it kind of pushes you forward and it gives you yeah. the excitement and the momentum to kind of get on with it. And it makes you want to do well on that run. And I love the community. I've made loads of friends through running. And suddenly I realized that actually races were brilliant and such a lovely spirit. And I love the camaraderie. And actually yeah. the race, almost the running bit is by the by. And you train so hard for something. The actual race day, they always say, don't they? It's your lap of honor. So the hard yeah. part is the build up. The race is just an amazing day out. And I still say that if you get the chance to run a marathon, it's a great thing to tick off your bucket list. But for me, every year that I have done a race like a marathon, or if it's been a half marathon that year, it's been the greatest day. It's just been so joyous and so fun. And you'll know, you've run longer distances than I have. You just feel so much pride. And so you're just like self-pride is through the roof when you finish a race that you have trained for or an event that you've trained for. Even if someone else could have done it with their eyes closed, for you, it's an achievement. And that to me is what running's all about. Everyone has their own goals, their own level of difficulty, their own challenge. And it's about doing it for you, not about competing with the person that's on the start line next to you. No, I couldn't agree more. Would you tell us what are, what have been your best races and what have been your worst races? Oh, uh, oh, my best race! It was every single race I've done, I've got to the finish line, even though sometimes I've wanted to stop. Okay, um, and so I think the best one is not my fastest one. My fastest one is my proudest achievement, but that's not my best one. My best one is the one that was the hardest, which is the day, it was a few years ago, it was so hot. It was like 25, something like London Marathon. It was so hard. I hadn't trained very well, which is terrible. My nutrition had been atrocious. Um, I'd been working too much to train properly. Went off. I, I definitely drank too much water, which kind of made my head spin a little bit. I found it unbearable. I had chafing from wearing shorts. It was painful in my legs, in my thighs. Oh my goodness, everything was going wrong. My friend Marcus Bean, who's a chef, he was running behind me and at one stage I just stopped. 
And he went, no, come on. And I didn't realize he'd been basically on my shoulder the whole time. And he just grabbed me and he went, we're doing it together. And we carried on running. Oh, and brilliant. that's my that's my best race because I got over the marathon finish line got my medal Mm -hmm. and I've never been so grateful to get it and I think it's moments like that when you've really gone through I mean it's 26 miles for me it's the most challenging thing I'll probably ever do for some people it's a doddle but to get through something that's so challenging on on yourself and to do it and to then get in bed that night and just go I actually did it it's amazing so that has got to be the best race the one that you can't believe you got to the end of that's it and that again that's the confidence builder isn't it yeah I think it's right the best there. best and worst in one. Oh, really? It has to be. Are you tempted to do an ultra? I know our mutual friend Mike Seaman's been uh, on your case about it. Desperately trying to get me to do it. I've been, there's lots of people trying to get me to do an ultra. I just don't know how I'd have time to train. I want to. I do. I just have to do it at a time when I could probably commit to training because it's hard enough for me to train for 26 miles, let alone further. Um, yeah. But one day, there are so many great races out there that are shorter as well. I'd love to do... I'd love to really work on getting a really good half marathon time or I'm going and doing a few more like fun half marathons. I'd love to go and do something in New York. I'd love to do the Barcelona races. I mean, just I'd love to go and travel. Paris marathon, I think, is something I'd like to do as well because I love Paris. Yeah, I'd love to. That's that's my ambition with running is just to travel the world and just see different places and And run. But, you know, I don't need to do a race to go and enjoy it. So sometimes for me doing a race, it's it's so much commitment and it's lovely and it's great. And you do get that whole experience. But for me, sometimes just going to these places for a weekend and going and doing a long run whilst I'm there, I'll get Mm. as much satisfaction. Yeah, I agree with you on that. But you are right. It takes it's a full time job training for a marathon, training for runs. It is it takes a lot of of time out, and it was a lot easier when things were shut down and we were in COVID when I started running. Yeah. And then I was like, oh, it's not as easy to train for it all mm. now. Oh gosh, I've actually got things to do. Especially when you're only allowed out for an hour during that COVID time. Do you remember we were all oh, used to know, just running for one hour? I remember coming back once. I'd been out for an hour and one minute, and I was scared that the the police were going to find me I was like oh my goodness what if they find out I was out for an hour and a minute James like I don't think anyone was timing you and I'm like but what if they were (laughs) I was definitely out for an hour and six minutes and a lot of times trying to get my 10k time under an hour (laughs) so yeah I definitely should have been arrested is your running okay yeah, I've just, well, um, apart from having time out because of COVID, yeah, I've, I did the Croatia, well, I did two days of, of running. That was really hard. That was probably my worst and best one that I've ever done in terms of a run because it was so hard. It wasn't, it wasn't even a run. It was a hike. I was rock climbing most of the time because it was so, the, the terrain and the elevation was, was tough, really, really tough, but it, it, really gave me uh, the bug for doing more ultras, that's for sure. I'm really excited. Oh, wow. How amazing to do something like that, though. I know. And that's why I just want to travel more. I think the tribe who organised the big uh, Run for Love event next year, I'm not sure where they're going to be doing it, but I'd certainly love to do the whole thing. But that's 260 kilometres over seven days. Wow. But yeah, I love it. I think just like you, it kind of gives me confidence. It gives me a purpose. Um, it's like a meditation. I know it's not always good for my body doing the distances that I'm doing, but 
but I don't know I, I haven't found I've yet to find an activity that gives me the benefits mentally that running does and I haven't found it so yeah okay. running's definitely the the thing yeah I remember you saying to me um and I think this is the first time I came onto your run pod and it wasn't until a few months later I totally got what you meant by it but you said about how running gave you confidence and has actually helped you almost in your job it's true I, I mean it's funny isn't it just going out for a run because I think we all need to do something that gives us an outlet so it gives us mm. time away from anything stressful and so you can get away from everything that's going on in the world and you just go out and you can be lost in your own thoughts and you can be creative and you can take the weight off your shoulders. So, for instance, if I'm stressed out or irritated about something, I'll go out for a run. It's like I can see clearly suddenly and I'll come yes. back and nothing will bug me. I'll be absolutely fine and I'll have had a solution for whatever it was that is now faded in insignificance. Yeah. And almost that outlet is brilliant because it gives you this huge sense of calm and you come back and you do feel more confident. And in terms of just feeling fit and stronger and strong, stronger in my mind as well, mm. running has given me a whole new confidence. It really has. Well, that actually goes back to why I wish I'd had started running when I was in hearsay. I probably wouldn't have, one, got myself into so much trouble. I would have been able to smile when things weren't going so well. So it kind of really sums up that, you know, it really does help you through the tough times. And I, 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 am, I always say this, I'm a much nicer person when I'm running. I'm just, oh, yeah, yeah hear, better to be you. around. Me too. Yeah. <laughs> it's funny it though as well, because if someone said, um, you can't run, uh, you're not going to run for a few weeks. I'm kind of like, what? What can yeah. I do instead? But like, if they said nothing, I I would start panicking. Yeah, I don't know what I'm going to do then. Has there any been any times you've you've been out of running and you know, oh yeah yeah, there's time? been a few. And in fact, actually, um, I got COVID in December, and you yeah. know, I knew I had it because I was I was running and I couldn't even I couldn't even run. 20 meters without feeling out of breath and so then I went to go over a bridge and I walked up the stairs and at the top I had to bend over and I thought I thought I'm having an asthma attack I don't have asthma like is this what I don't know what it is couldn't breathe and I suddenly thought oh my god I think I've got COVID went home tested and sure enough I had it but that's how I knew because I couldn't breathe and I actually and I know a lot of people have gone through this as well where the breathing hits you even going up the stairs in your house you're like oh my goodness I can't do this I don't have a grand house I don't have hundreds of stairs it's quite a simple flight of staircase a flight of stairs um but you do think am I ever going to be able to do it again because this feels so weird but it does it does ease off for most people and you do get back out there and you know before you know it you'll be running it's like um if if you've had a baby if you've gone through pregnancy after having Ella I don't know if you were the same I was like I don't think I'm ever going to be fit enough again to do a run and so I set myself the challenge of running the marathon so Ella was born end of September and the marathon was end of April so I think it was like seven months later and yeah and I was like right I'm gonna do that marathon but you can't run for ages because of you know the the relaxing in your joints and yeah you're not you're not allowed to run for ages and so I was really stressed that I would never be fit enough but it happens it does happen and you can do things again it's just you've got to be patient and then when you look back now you go oh actually wasn't really that long 
It's like if you've got an injury and you yeah. stress when you're injured that you're never going to be able to and you feel really unfair and you're going to hate being stuck for six weeks. Those mm. six weeks fly by and you're back doing it and you can't believe you were whinging. I know. It's funny. You've just got... I'm, I'm a big believer in this is that... And it's taken me a very, very long time to get to this thought process and mentality. Sometimes you just have to lean into that discomfort and just ride it out. And the, the more you're willing to do that, the quicker it'll pass. It's when you're trying to fight it, whether that's I'll just give it a go today and I'll just try that run or I'll just try that workout. You're going to set yourself back and set yourself back. And if you just allow to sit with that discomfort and be irritable and be, you know, down in the dumps about it, then it will pass. It will ultimately go. I think we I think we tend to run away from pain, don't we? We want to run away yeah. from discomfort and pain. And when really we need to be taught how to deal with it and sit with it. And I think I think we'd all be able to cope a lot better in life. Yeah. I always think it's important to find something else. So if you if you suddenly can't do the thing you love, which for me would be running, if I can't do that, I need to have a backup. I need to have something else. So maybe you might want to do swimming. They always want to tell you to go swimming. I, I don't yeah. really want to go swimming. I can't be bothered to go swimming, but you could do swimming. Or for me, I love golf. So that's my, quite often for me, that's my fallback. If I, I love golf anyway, I play it, but I'll just play more of it. Or I might go to the gym. And I spoke to um, Rongan Chatterjee. Do you know him? And yes, he said, yes. it's really good. You should have a backup plan but don't make it exercise. And I was like, no, but I need it to be exercise. And he said, no, you should have, your backup plan should be reading a book or writing a journal. And I was like, that, well, that for me, I can't ever imagine doing that because I want to do something active. But he said, it's really important to think that that could be an option because there might be a time where you can't do anything active and you yeah. need to have something that still gives you that lovely release. Yeah. Well, I, w I was actually going to say that to you. Would you ever consider your backup plan not being active? Um, but that's such, it is Maybe a good you have to point, learn how it? to cook. Maybe I was going to say, why, oh, why don't you do, <laughs> for asking you, God. do you want to do a cook along with me? And you're like, I really can't cook. <laughs> Maybe we should try it again. <laughs> do you know what? I have been on probably every cookery show going. And when I go on, I say, right, just so you know, I can't cook. And they all just think I'm lying. And they go, okay. You can't cook. And I'm like, no, 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 I really can't. If you're fine with that, I will come on. And they're like, okay, no, that's fine. And I go on and I can't cook. And they're like, you can't cook. And I'm like, I told you. I told you like five times <laughs> I really can't cook. Or you still wanted me to come on. Have you done MasterChef? No, I, I, no, I can't. There's no way I can do it. <laughs> I would actually love to watch that. <laughs> I just, it would just be a disaster. It would just not be. I spoke to James Martin when on one of the many cookery shows he's got me to go on <laughs> I went and he goes would you do MasterChef and I went absolutely not chance he goes okay I'll teach you how to cook in advance then go on MasterChef and I went well that would be lovely if you genuinely thought I would take on board what you taught me then we'll do it but it's quite funny that I mean that's being taught by the best there that's that's brilliant <laughs> might give him a call myself. He was like, I'll come to your house. I'll come to your house. I'll teach you how to cook. And then suddenly I remember coming home to my husband and going, he says he'll come to the house. That means we'll have to buy the basic cooking utensils because we don't have any at the moment. And if he's coming around, we have to at least look like we have some stuff in the house. <laughs> I remember, so I went out and bought like a, a mixer. So I was like, then if he comes around, because every time I've been in, like on his show, he's used a mixer. So I was like, I'll get a mixer. That mixer has been an ornament on my kitchen, on the side, on the kind of kitchen tape unit ever since I bought it. 
just looks really nice. It's not been used, used once. It is actually good for an ornament. We have a mixer on the counter as well as a little bit of an ornament, just gathering it's dust. Lovely. Yeah. Yeah. Do you have blenders? I, I actually have seen you've got like a Nutribullet because you do yeah, a lot no, of smoothies. That's easy. I can do yeah. I can do blender stuff. That's good. Are you into your juices and smoothies? After um, exercise quite often, I'll do a protein shake or a smoothie. Ella likes smoothies. So I can I can do stuff like that. I'm not totally adept. So I can do <laughs> smoothies and they are quite nice. They're good fixes actually because sometimes that's what you you just want something like that, don't you? So I'll, I, I do like bananas and blueberries and almond milk and vanilla protein. That is a good way to get your nutrition in as well, a smoothies. Because I'm I'm not great on getting everything, I always have taken kind of supplements as well, which is why we developed ours, which is called Colo. It's me, my husband and my friend Tash. It came about because after running, I, I think it's important to make sure you're getting the right nutrients or the right the right elements you need after a run. And collagen is one of those things. In fact, the only reason I know collagen is was when I did my first marathon. I was was working like on GMTV in this morning, that kind of thing. One of the TV doctors that worked there came over and went, make sure you're getting your collagen. And I went, why? And then he told me, and then I went, all right. So ever since then, so 2009, I have taken some kind of collagen supplement. And it's only when I was talking to my husband and my friend about it, they just went, well, why don't you do your own? Yeah. And honestly, had no idea how to do it. But I did know that it would be great to get a collagen supplement that was mine because I was so pro taking it. But also it'd be really good to get something with the right vitamins. I know, you know, there's lots of people say, well, you can get the vitamins you need from the right food. But honestly, I don't always have time to make sure that I'm getting everything from my food because my works quite ad hoc I know I'm not the only one sometimes you just wish that there was some little magic tablet that had everything you needed so that everything else was just a bonus yeah so we made this we made this supplement we spent ages making getting a supplement it's all made in Britain we get our collagen brought in and we um we've got a factory down in Somerset and um we we basically have this amazing collagen brand which took a while to get it tasting right because we had to make sure it tasted Nice, because if you're going to do a supplement, you you have to want to take it. You have to want to. So we devised a collagen supplement, which the reason it's good to take after exercise is that it's really good at supporting your muscles and your joints and your cartilage. It's great for your immune system as well. So it's good for repairing muscles after exercise. It's really great for just helping that recovery. Just like if you were going to take a chunk of protein in collagen, in our collagen supplement, there's 10 grams of collagen, which is essentially kind of like around 10 grams of protein. But collagen is just so important to the body. And from the age of 25, it starts depleting, which is why we all have a lovely uh, wrinkly lines on our faces and our skin starts to thin. In fact, women in particular, the loss of collagen really affects them during menopause as well. And so by taking collagen and putting it back in you're going to help you're going to thicken the skin you're going to hydrate the skin you're going to thicken uh, your hair you're going to strengthen your nails you're also going to help you help your body after exercise so men and women take it for women there's the added advantage that it will help you through the menopause as well but it's just a brilliant brilliant supplement it's called colo and um and we're really proud and we have we only launched during lockdown which we would never expected to launch during a lockdown but at lockdown 
April 2020, we were about to launch and then lockdown happened the week before. We were like, oh my goodness. And we launched and actually it's been great and we're really proud of this product and we keep making improvements. So uh, we went from seven grams of collagen to 10 grams because we figured that Mm. would be much better. And we're also informed sport, which means that pro athletes take us as well. So, oh, um, they, so it's all you know, it's absolutely approved. Informed yeah. sports approved. So, um, yeah, so it's good. So it's we're really proud of it. So that's why I have the supplement. I just think it's really important if you like running to make sure that you're protecting your joints and your bones and your recovery afterwards. Yeah, I couldn't agree more. Um, yeah, it's it's brilliant product. Um, well, what we'll do is we'll drop the show notes in the show notes. We'll drop the link to the website so people can go to the website and and order some uh, colo on there. Well, I tell you what, as well, use the code one month thirty five. So O N E. M-O-N-T-H 35 and what that'll do is that will give you your first two boxes for £35 so it's basically buy one get one free essentially for the first month and then Ah, and if you use it for a month we always say that you've got to use it for a month really I mean you've got to take it regularly and continuously to notice the benefits but if you do you'll start noticing your nails are just kind of start growing like never before and you'll you'll will a lot of people just notice if they have any skin issues sometimes it can really help clear it up as well so you'll notice those things first yeah I mean I will say you know supplement taking isn't an overnight thing you really do have to you know three months is a really good point isn't it when yeah. you start to really notice the benefits and no don't take one and go well this is rubbish because you won't notice yeah, anything it's not gonna, nothing's happened <laughs> why is my hair not like yeah, Rapunzel I wish I wish it was that easy I do wish it was that easy <laughs> me too me too Are you looking for a wellness community that holds zero judgment and is a safe space for you to nurture your inner wellness in your own time and at your own pace? Well, if this sounds like the place for you, check out the Happy Health Club, my online wellness community. It covers plant-based nutrition, sober living and fitness. And if you sign up to our free newsletter, you receive our plant-based recipe ebook. Visit thehappyhealthclub.com. Give yourself the gift of well-being. At the end of every episode, I I like to ask the guests, what would you dare our listeners or your neighbour or your friends? What's the one thing that you would dare them to improve their happiness? The the one activity, it could be a a mundane thing. It could be something challenging. It could just be something that you love doing, something weird and wacky. But what would you dare our listeners for their happiness? I just think that you've got to, you've got to try something, even if it's out your comfort zone, even if you think you're going to do it badly, you've got to go and try and do it because you never know, you might like it. That's the thing. So if there's something that scares you and you've never gone and accepted an invite to go and take part in an activity or go to an event, because quite frankly, you you don't know how you'll fit in or you think it's going to be too hard or too challenging or you don't know anyone well, just do it. Do it once. Go along. Give it your best shot. Worst thing, you never have to go back again. Best thing, you'll love it. And that's it. You found a new hobby or a new friend or something new to go and experience. And that's what I think. Don't be scared of trying something new. Just do it because, you know, you never know. You might even like it. Do you know, I love that. I absolutely love that. And I am 
always saying, you know, just go out of your comfort zone. It's scary. It's, it's good to push and go into the, those fears. Um, I think it's I think it's really good for character building. It's great for your confidence. And it just is is great for you to then inspire somebody else to possibly try it as well. Yeah. Do what my mum says. Just stand yeah. up, smile and just do it. <laughs> and then no one needs to know what you're thinking underneath. <laughs> That is great advice. That is fantastic advice. And I'll be doing that from now on, that moment <laughs> that I have an urge to say something. I'm going to go, I'm going to do a Jenny. I'm just going to smile and just go, I'll wait till I get home to <laughs> let all of this out. That's it. Just hold it back. And <laughs> oh. um, thank you for having me on. Oh, no, thank you. It's been lovely chatting to you as always. And I hope that we get to see each other in person very, very soon as well. Yes, me too. Me too. Thank you for being a guest. I uh, really appreciate it. What a great chat that was. And Jenny is right. It's great to try new things. It's good to come out of your comfort zone. So important for self-growth and building your confidence and resilience. And of course, by coming out of your comfort zone, you are going to feel a great sense of achievement, which makes you happy. So we dare you to be happy. Try coming out of your comfort zone, no matter how big or small the task is. Maybe you could even try coming out of your comfort zone this week. And if you do, and if you're feeling great from it, then please email us at info at thehappyhealthclub.com because we would love to hear your story. Have a great day and remember to love you and take care of you. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave a review and make sure you have subscribed to Dare to Be Happy. Thank you for listening. Thank you so much for listening to Dare to Be Happy. Hope you enjoyed this episode. It would mean the world to me if you could share my show with your friends and family. And if you could rate and review and subscribe, it means others can find out all about the podcast too. If you'd like to get in touch, you can find me on Instagram at Susie underscore Shaw, or you can email me at info at thehappyhealthclub.com. Sending you tons of love and I'll see you soon.